Good morning. I like the name that I've been baptized with. Before we get into the message, let me introduce my beautiful wife. She's sitting here in the front. And I, I want to say that I truly, truly appreciate my wife. Uh, the road this week has been very hard. And we understand that sooner or later we'll be off the road. But I, I knew God called me before I was married. And I knew that God was going to call me to a hard place. And when God um, confirmed to me that it was going to be remote Alaska, I knew right there and then that I needed a willing wife. So I did my homework, you know, and my wife checked all the boxes. And I truly, I truly, out of my ministry, my wife is here at the ministry. Uh, the fact that she's willing to go where there's no shopping places, uh, even, and you, we laugh, you know, but even on the side, on the other side of things, on the, what I can call the essentials, such as medical, uh, medical facilities, it's very limited once you go in remote Alaska. So the fact that she's willing to do that, you know, as men, Alaska is on the adventurous side of things. But as women, you know, the, the hunting, the fish in the mountains is not so much for them, right? And the fact that my wife is willing to go alongside and, and help us minister to the clinky people in such places. Thank you, honey. You mean the world to me. Now, uh, your pastor did promise me to pay me by the minute. So if you can just bear with me. Uh, I know we're trying to get a meal, but I'm also trying to get, get support. No, I'm kidding. We'll, 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 cut, uh, we'll cut at the right time. To save time, let us go to Acts 9. If, you can just, if you're able, stand very quickly just for the reading of God's word. Acts 9, verse 15 and 16. Then we'll pray and we'll get into the message. Here the apostle, here's the conversion of the Apostle Paul. And in verse 15, there's conversation with God and Ananias. But the Lord said unto him, Go thy way, for he is a chosen vessel unto me, to bear my name before the Gentiles, the kings, and the children of Israel. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. Let us pray, God. I thank you, God, for the fact that the gospel has made it all the way to this side of the world, God. And now from this side of the world, going to many places, God, you have blessed this country because of that, God. But in the process, God, you have tried your servants, God. And I pray, God, that there will be willing people to be tried and tested, God, at the same time with the desire to be used of you, God, in spite of the afflictions, and everything that the gospel carries. I pray that I can be a blessing. In the name of Jesus, I pray. Amen and amen. You may be seated. Here, you have the Apostle Paul just recently got saved. He's going to Damascus and he's breathing. The way he's talking is in an anger manner. And he wants to destroy the church. In verse 15, God speaks to Ananias. Because Ananias is very skeptical. God, I've, I've heard many things of this man, and all of a sudden he wants to come and help. That would be the equivalent of Abu Azarqawi, the leader and founder of ISIS. All of a sudden he gets saved. He, he wants to come and work with you, Pastor. He wants to help in the children's ministry. Not only your pastor, but you will be very skeptical that this accuser of the faith, this uh, pers- uh, persecutor of the faith, all of a sudden has belief and God wants to use him. You will be very skeptical and rightly so. But here God is speaking to him and God says, Go thy way, for this persecutor, this 
guy that used to waste the church, he is going to be a chosen vessel unto me to bear my name before the Gentiles and the kings and the children of Israel. Now, if God had a wonderful ministry for you, like that, where you can go before kings, right? Before the Gentiles, so you can go anywhere, right? In the class, you can go with the, the elite of the elite, or you can go to, to the common people, or even to the Gentiles, and to the, to the Jews, to your own people. If God had a ministry for you like that, will you say, God, here am I, use me. Now, before you answer that, let us read the, the next verse. Before you say, God, here am I, and use me in whatever capacity, let us read verse 16. God is speaking again. For I will show him how great things he must enjoy in the ministry. Wow, because the ministry is wonderful, right? Is that what the Bible says? But he's going to preach the greatest message that has ever been pronounced to mankind. Wait, he's, shouldn't he have the best of the best? The best cars for that time, the best transportation, I mean, everything paid for it. I mean, no hungers, no sufferings. That is not what the text says here. For I will show him how great things he must suffer for my name's sake. You mean to tell me that when you join the gospel ministry, there is going to be suffering? Before the Apostle Paul begins his Christian ministry, God is outlining that there is going to be suffering as he goes and preaches the gospel to kings, to Gentiles, to the Jews, and to the common people. Let us go to 2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 1. Here the Apostle Paul is writing from a jail cell. He's the end of not only his career, but also his life is coming to the near. He has plenty of internal evidence here in the book that he has fought a good fight, and he's just waiting. In other words, he's awaiting execution. The Apostle Paul is writing from a jail cell. The only access he has to the outside world is an 18 by 18 inch hole. And instead of griping and complaining, he's writing to encourage, to encourage his young missionary. I call Timothy, he's, a, he's called a young preacher, but also a young missionary because he was reaching the area of Lystra. He's now 367 miles away in Ephesus, pastoring a church. 50 day journey, that is the definition of a missionary. And Paul is writing here to encourage his young son in the faith to keep on keeping on. And he, he begins here in chapter 1, verse 1. Paul, an apostle Jesus Christ, by the will of God, according to the promise of life, which is in Christ Jesus. To Timothy, my dearly beloved son, grace, mercy, and peace from God the Father in Christ Jesus our Lord. I thank God whom I serve for my forefathers with pure conscience, that without ceasing I have remembrance of thee, in my prayers night and day, greatly desiring to see thee, being mindful of thy tears, that I may be filled with joy. When I caught remembrance the unfeigned faith that was in thee, which dwelt first, the grandmother Lewis and I and the mother Eunice, and I am persuaded that in thee also. Wherefore, put thee in remembrance that thou of the gift of God which is in thee by putting on of my hands. For God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a power of love and of sound mind. Verse 8, key verse here. Be not, therefore, ashamed of the testimony of our Lord, 
nor of me his prisoner. Check it out here. But be thou partaker of the afflictions of the gospel according to the power of God. The afflictions of the gospel. When you, when you read for a length of time the Apostle Paul and you get to hear the, the adjectives that he uses to adorn the word gospel. You know, many times he refers to the glorious gospel of Jesus Christ, right? He has the power of God unto salvation. And when you hear this adjective here, the word that he uses to adorn the word gospel here, the afflictions of the gospel. If God wanted you in the ministry and you knew that afflictions will come your way, will you say, God, here am I. Please use me. You know, many times we, we want to go in the ministry and we want everything to be, to be fine. No problems, no issues. Everything paid for it. But as we notice the life of the Apostle Paul, after trial after trial, and yet he, he was faithful, a, a apostle to the Gentiles, and because of that, you and I have the gospel of Jesus Christ. Yeah. If we go to the Old Testament, I want to use an Old Testament saint, a, a female for that matter, how God used a trial and an affliction in her life, not only to bless her, but also to bless other people. Can I tell you that when God brings a trial to a missionary, God not only wants to bless that immediate missionary, but God also wants to bless the surrounding people that he is with. We find ourselves in the book of Samuel, Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. For, to give context to the introduction of this book, let, you, uh, you meet me there in 1 Samuel, but let me read Judges 21, 25. In those days, there was no king in Israel. Every man did that which was right in their own eyes. That is the condition that is happening in the land with God's people. God wants to change that. And we read here in 1 Samuel chapter 1, verse 1. Now there was a certain man of Ramathaim, Sophim, of Mount Ephraim, and his name was Elkanah, the son of Jeroham, the son of Elihu, the son of Tohu, the son of Sub, the Nephrathite, and he had two wives. The mention of polygamy, the same thing that is happening in Judges, is happening here. And this man, according to his actions, he, he was to some degree a spiritual man that feared God, but to some other degree, he was also very carnal. And God wanted to change not only him, but everybody around him. And God is going to use Hannah. The name of one was Hannah, one of the wives was Hannah. And the name of the other one was Penina. And Penina had children, but Hannah had no children. For the sake of the illustration, to understand the message, to give sense to the message here, I'm going to put Penina on the left side. Penina means pearl. I believe that Penina was beautiful, fair to look upon. And I also believe that according to what the text says here, she was a picture of the flesh. If God is going to work something in the nation of Israel, if God is going to use somebody, God is going to use a spiritual side. God is going to use Hannah. And the Bible tells us that children, no children to Hannah's side. And this man went up out of the city, went up out of his city yearly to worship and to sacrifice unto the Lord of hosts in Shiloh. The two sons of Eli, Hophni, and Phinehas, the priests of the Lord, were there. 
When the time come, was come that Elkanah offered, he gave to Penina, his wife, and to all her sons, her daughter's portions. But unto Hannah, he gave a worthy portion for the love, for he loved Hannah, but the Lord had, had shared up her womb. Can I tell you something that you already know? That it was God that closed that womb. I like what a theologian said. There's a molecule in heaven. Or even in the universe, anywhere in, in, anywhere in space, there's a molecule just floating outside out of the will, will and control of God, then God is not God. You know, there's no molecule anywhere where there is space, matter, and time that it is not controlled by the will of God. By God's sovereignty. So when God decides to close the womb, God knew the timing and God knew the purpose. And at the same time, God had a mission for that trial. Now, Hannah doesn't know that. We come to verse 6. And her adversary also provoked her sore for to make her fret because the Lord had shut up her womb. And as, she, and as he did so year by year, she went up to the house of the Lord. So she provoked her, therefore she wept. And did not eat. Then said Elkanah, her husband, unto her, Hannah, why weepest thou, and why it is thou not? And why is her heart grieved? Now the following question, I've asked this question to my wife, and I was shocked by the answer. Am I not better to thee than ten sons? To my surprise, my wife just gave me my, the silent treatment. So I understood that very possibly, no, I was not. But here, if you can put Elkanah in the center, and you have here... You have Penina. And you have the picture of their wedding, and then you have, you have the kids, right? But you, go, you come to Hannah's side, and you only have the, the wedding picture. Salmos Asivilkan is standing here in the middle and, and saying, Look, am I not better to you than the ten kids that are on this side? If you, if you if we put context to and sense to the text here, remember that year after year, they will go into Shiloh to worship yearly. Imagine having one kid, two kids. If you're going to have at least 10 kids, it's going to have me a, a length of minimum 10 years. And that is rough. So let's make it 15 to give the wife a break. So imagine a trial that very possibly went from 10 years to 20 years. And every year, every step of the way, you're going to Shiloh. There's tears coming down. And you don't know that God wants to work something, in, not only in you, but in the nation of Israel. But the only thing that you have to communicate with God, it is prayer. And Hannah, year after year, she will, she will pray to God. Verse 9, so Hannah rose after they had eaten in Shiloh. And after they had drunk, now Eli, the priest of the Lord, sat upon the seat of the, of the temple of the Lord. And she was in bitterness of soul, then prayed unto the Lord and wept sore. And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if thou would indeed look in the affliction of the handmaid and remember me, and not forget the handmaid, but will give unto the handmaid a man child. Hold on, Hannah. You, have, you can look to the left side of the house and you have plenty of kids. You, you look at your side and everything's clean, everything's organized because you have no kids. And all of a sudden, you're praying to God a very specific, you want a man-child? Here's Sarah on, on the prayer card. 
Kayla is, was in Kayla was in, in the womb. But when Sarah was born, we went to the we went to the doctor to the you know the the doctor OBGYN. They put uh, uh, gooey stuff in your wife's belly, right? They rub a knob and they cast the image on the on the television. They said that the the ugly thing there is you're supposed to be your beautiful kid. And you know we were joking with the technician and everything was fun and games and. My generation, the millennial generation, they do a party for everything. You do a gender reveal, you got to throw a party. That's all fun and games. The only problem is that I don't have the patience to wait for somebody to do a party and give me the results. So I wanted to know the gender right there and then. Finally, they said, it's going to be a girl. And my face just, I mean, like the Chinese balloon, it just plummeted down. I mean, it was, it was bad. And my wife said, will you please just cheer up? What is wrong with you? And I, honest, honest to God, I tried. Then my mood changed when I found out very quickly. She's looking at the screen, doing measurements, more technical measurements. And I just know that her face went from happy and joking to she's very concerned. And I just looked at my wife, and we kind of have that uh, mutual look, right, that we know something's wrong. So... She leaves the room, gets a doctor, and he comes all happy and jumpy. And I just know that that is him working his emotions to give us some bad news. So he tells us, look, I eat. very happy, right? And he said, look, there was, I have good news for you. There is a good baby there. But the other one, unfortunately, passed away. So my ungratefulness that God had given me a, a, a female gender daughter all of a sudden went away. And I say, God, I'm so sorry. Whatever you want to give me, if you will find enough grace to give me a daughter, I would take that. So when I, when I look at Hannah, and she has zero kids, she has nothing. And all of a sudden, she's asking for a very specific request. She's asking for a man child. I wonder why. But can I tell you that every step of the way that Hannah is going to Shiloh, she's aligning her will to the will of God. If God was going to use somebody to come and call the nation of Israel for their sins, and also the things that are going in the temple, God was going to use a man child. So when God allows a trial in your life or my life, God is getting us closer to his will. That is if we allow him to do so. We don't know what is happening. We don't know the purpose. But almighty God, all the mission God knows. He knows the beginning from the end. And he knows the process. And it, is in our, it will behoove us to just get closer to the will of God. To get aligned to the will of God. So in verse 11... And she vowed a vow and said, O Lord Lord of hosts, if thou would indeed look on the affliction of that handmaid and remember me, not forget that handmaid, but will give unto the handmaid a man-child, then I will give him unto the Lord all the days of his life, and there shall no razor come upon his head. So she vowed, God, if you would do this for me, I would do this for you. On the second pregnancy, we're in deputation also in my wife wakes me up in the middle of the night, and she said, you know, she's crying. And I just, having gone through that some time ago, I just know that we need to go to the, the hospital, right? We, we go to the hospital. To make the long story short, we go to the hospital, and it just uh, dehydration from being on the road, you know? But the road can be truly brutal to a, a pregnant woman. So my wife, you know... Um, 
it was a Saturday night. The next day, we just uh, um, very sleep deprived. I have a meeting, and I, my wife, you know, she stayed home there, there where we were uh, based out of. And I go, man, I shouldn't be driving. Very sleep deprived. I preach a message on the need of the gospel in remote places. A lady comes. I gave the invitation. A lot of people came to the, to the altar. Two months later, a pastor called me. He said, brother, I just want to let you know that your name came up twice in a conversation. And right away, my, my, my throat just went on and I'm thinking, man, what did I do? There goes my deputation and my ministry, right? And then he said, no, look, it was very testimonial. And then finally, I was able to breathe again. And then he said, look, a man spoke highly of you and another lady. I'm calling you for this other lady. He said, you give the invitation. She came forward. And she prayed, God, if you will heal me, then I will serve you. She had been struggling with cancer for a while. And she said, God, if you will heal me, then I will serve you. He said, brother, I, I want to let you know something you already know. I'm independent, fundamental. You know, I don't, I don't believe in none of that charismatic movement. And, but I do believe that God is God. He's still in the healing business. And he made an emphasis, look, don't, don't, don't misunderstand the fact that I'm not charismatic. He made such an emphasis on that. And he said, I just want to let you know, if you needed some encouragement, I, I want to let you know that God is using you. She, she came down to the altar. She, she said, God, if you will heal me from this cancer, then I will serve you. She came down to the altar and she prayed. The pastor said she felt a hand reach down and touch her. And she felt better. She goes to the doctor to confirm that what she felt was it was God healing her. And she's healed. And she's, she says, you know, I want to make sure. She goes again to the doctor. And she's healed. Can I tell you that a lot of times God can bring us to a trial that the only way we can come out of it is doing the will of God. It is saying, God, if you would do this for me, I, here I am, God. I don't know what you want from me, but God, here I am. Look, I'm not here on the healing business. God is. But maybe God is bringing us to a point that the only way, the only person we can run to, it is God himself. Verse 19. We'll skip to verse 19. We don't have time to read through. And they rose up in the morning early and worshiped before the Lord. And returning came to the house of Ramah. And Elkanah knew Hannah, his wife. And the Lord remember her. May I tell you that God has a timing for every trial? It, God is not in heaven just trying to move the piece of the puzzle to see what he can mess up. No. God is working something when we can see. And God has the beginning. God has a process. And God also has the end. For the sake of time, I, I can't read all the verses that I need to read. But we know. That God, we know what was happening in the temple. There were people in, there were what is known as the PKs. The religious crowd, they were in the temple just fornicating and doing things that they're not even worthy to mention. And God needed a young man that was going to be surrendered and committed to the will of God to come to the temple and to say, you are wrong, you're not, you are not to do that. God needed a prophet, God needed somebody to anoint the first king of Israel, the second king of Israel. And God needed somebody to lead the nation of Israel. But at the given time, Hannah has no idea what is happening. All she is doing is say, God, hear him. Can I tell you that I've told my wife many times, honey, as we arrive to Alaska, 
to remote to the remote place that we're going to. Nobody's going to jump up and down. Praise God that your Frankens are here. Instead of that, very possibly, we're going to be met by opposition and by trials and afflictions. And I, I know that when God will bring a trial and affliction, not only God wants to bless my wife and I and my family, but God also wants to bless the clinking people in remote Alaska. God provided many children to Hannah after that. And at the same time provided a prophet, somebody that would need, lead the nation of Israel closer to God. What is God, what does God have for you? Have you gone through a trial lately? When I got saved, and I read through Romans, very quickly when I came through it, Romans 8, 28, I knew that this was a verse that I needed to cling to and just make it part of my life. Here the Apostle Paul says, if you can go to Romans 8, 28, the Apostle Paul says, and we hope that all things work together for good. Is that what he says? Hope is a biblical word. But is that, is that what is being used here? Let me, let me, can I put a better word there? And we think. I'm a King James Bible. I believe in the preservation of the word of God. Amen. We are not to change a single word. Amen. And I threw that to make an emphasis that we don't hope, we don't think. Can I tell you that the Apostle Paul says, And we know, we know that all things work together for good to them that love God and to them who are called according to his purpose. As we notice the life of Hannah and the life of the Apostle Paul, how come the Apostle Paul endured many trials and many afflictions? I like what he says in 8.18. For I reckon that the sufferings of this present world this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. The Apostle Paul says, any trial, anything that we go through, it is not worthy to be compared with the things that are going to be happening to heaven. The, the many blessings that God has for us. Can I tell you, as trials come, we better hang in there because God wants to bless you and I, but God also wants to bless other people. What are you going through this morning? Let me just remind you that the Almighty God in heaven wants to bless you and I. But also he wants to bless the town of Winchester. And through missions, bless the people around the world. Let us pray, God. I say, turn the invitation to the pastor, God. I pray, God. You can work in our hearts, God. Whatever you want to do through us, God, in spite of whatever trial and affliction, God. I pray that you do your will in us, God.